Hi, I'm Adil Bandukwala. And I'm Kaushik Satish. And this is the Great Indian Marketing Show, where we go behind the scenes with top marketing leaders. We uncover not just what marketers do, but how. Our guest today is Aditi Chauhan, Global Director of Marketing at National Instruments. An international marketing leader in the truest sense, Aditi started a career in India and the Asian markets, but quickly expanded to leading marketing strategy and teams in the Middle East, Russia and Europe. She is now based in the UK, leading a global team. Aditi started her career with Mindtree as a software engineer, moved on to CNN and is currently associated with National Instruments. Aditi's work has been celebrated on numerous occasions and she has won recognition globally through awards like Global Marketer of the Year, Women Business Leader of the Year, Rising Star and a host of others. Today, our intent is to talk to Aditi about her experience in her many global roles, the rebranding that her company recently went through and a sneak peek into her favorite brands. Aditi, thank you for joining us and welcome to the Great Indian Marketing Show. Thank you for having me, guys. It's an absolute pleasure. Aditi, you studied engineering and went straight to pursue marketing MBA. Did you always know what you wanted to become? Did you always know you wanted to be a marketeer? What motivated you to explore a career in marketing? Well, I don't think I'd say I always knew I wanted to be a marketer. To be honest, as a kid, I wanted to be a journalist or an Air Force pilot. So clearly both of those didn't happen. Jokes apart, I had a very common path like most Indian kids at my time. I think very stereotypical in the way I grew up in a middle-class Indian family. So if you were good at academic, your career choices were limited to engineering or medicine. And so that's how I got into engineering. And, you know, at the end of my course, was recruited by Mindtree as a software engineer back in the day. And I actually really enjoyed my time at Mindtree because of the amazing people and the culture that they had built there. But very quickly, I realized that even though I was good at coding, it really was wasn't my calling. It wasn't something I woke up excited, you know, going to work or or whatever. But I also did not know what I wanted to do. I mean, imagine this was my first job out of college, right? So I ended up speaking to a host of different people, including executive leaders at Mindtree who were really gracious and kind to give me time. I spoke to my seniors from college, school, relatives in corporate, literally everyone I knew to get as many perspectives as I could. And while all these people didn't necessarily, you know, provide me with the answers of what I should be doing, they asked me a bunch of really good questions. And as I thought through and answered those questions to myself, it became, you know, pretty clear to me that what I really wanted to do was be closer to the business, which my sort of software engineering job wasn't letting me do. And that's how I ended up pursuing my MBA. And and during those two years, I mean, I was super passionate about you know, all the subjects related to marketing, brand, sales, you know, all sorts of things that basically lead you to supporting business um, and revenue directly. So I'd say that's how my journey started to become a business savvy marketer. And, and I wouldn't really say it wasn't something I always knew, but it wasn't accidental either. You know, it was sort of self-reflection journey and help from a few mentors along the way that led me to marketing and I absolutely love it. And I can't be thankful for having found something I, I feel so passionate about. You've been at NI for a little over 10 years now, Aditi, uh, which is a fairly large part of your career. Tell us a little bit about what NI is, what your role there is like today. What are you really responsible for? Wow. Yeah. I 
I have spent a decade of my adult life at NI, and I would almost say I've grown up here as a person and as a professional. And I get that question a lot. What does NI do, you know, for my friends and, and relatives? So in, in like the most simplest terms, NI is a test and measurement company, and most people don't realize this, but just about anything with a mechanical outcome, you know, think about the car that you drive or the smartphones that, you know, we can't live without, the airplanes that we used to fly on before COVID, all of these devices have to be tested and measured before they are in production and out in the market for commercial use. And our software and hardware basically enables this test and measurement. So that's basically what NI does. On your question of what I do at NI, um, so my current role at NI is leading a global marketing team that drives the revenue growth for our largest business unit. Um, and my team primarily focuses on building go-to-market strategies, messaging and global campaigns, demand generation, field and channel marketing areas in specific. Aditi, one thing that stands out when looking at your career is, is just the range of geographies and, and countries that you worked in. There's ASEAN, there's Russia, Middle East, and now the UK. And as a marketer, it's so important to be embedded into the cultural nuances and norms of a country that you're operating in. So I wonder how you do that. Um, can you talk to us a bit about your process for understanding a market? And, and what are some of the interesting nuances or intricacies that you picked up across these different regions? This is a great question, uh, Kaushik. And there are really so many different regional nuances and variations. But top of mind, I think, you know, they could range from customer communication preference to their working style to even what does value really mean to them. So I'd almost say the things that I've started with was, you know, definitely understanding the nuance of language and translations. You know, as a marketer, you need to be super careful of how your message is going to translate in a specific local market. And I think there are umpteen examples of how horribly wrong this can go if you're not careful. So that's sort of establishing the basic on understanding the nuance of the language and how your messaging translates in that country. But then some other interesting nuances that are a layer deeper than that would be, you know, things like what does value really mean to a customer can differ quite dramatically. You'll be surprised. You know, some cultures yeah. believe in historical performance of a company to decide whether they want to work with them or no. Some are very price sensitive, like in India, for example, and most Asian countries, while there are some other countries that are extremely value-driven. So as a marketer, you need to modify your messaging in these different markets. For example, value-driven cultures, you're going to drive with a futuristic marketing message. You're going to talk about how your product is going to enable your customer to be a leader in their space in the future years and you know those sort of messages. While in a price-sensitive market, you're going to lead with hey, here's the return on investment. You're going to try to establish your credibility based on historical achievements because that's what they care about. So I think these are sort of things that you need to keep in mind. And it's not really rocket science, you know, like one example that I can give you is something that I've noticed as I moved to the UK a couple of years ago, the same automobile manufacturer marketed their car in India with the message of, with the leading message of, hey, here's this car. It has 11 and a half kilometer per liter mileage, you know, and that was sort of their leading hero message. While the same manufacturer marketed in the UK with their leading message more focused on performance of the car, the efficiency, and even highlighting their EV model because, you know, highlighting the eco-friendliness because that's a care about of the customers and the government here. So it's really understanding, you know, what, what really resonates and how value is perceived differently in different cultures can be sort of very critical. 
That sounds so true. And I think it's good that you really stressed on the importance of factoring some of these cultural nuances across different geographies into your, you know, your marketing campaigns or plans or whatever it is, right? So if you had to look back at your career across all these regions and identify your top two to three takeaways that you think are absolutely critical for executing a successful go-to-market strategy, what would those be? Hmm, that's a good one. I think the most important aspect when you're trying to build your go-to-market strategy is to go a layer deeper than the stereotypical cultural nuances. You need to understand that. I think it's the basic, how to address someone, what their style is, what value means, et cetera, right? The ones that I highlighted earlier. I think the the layer deeper really means understanding what your customer care about are, you know, what their watering holes are and what really ticks them positively or negatively. And what has really helped me understand these as I move geographies, right, was to really pick up the opportunity I got to engage directly with the customer. And a lot of people, in, especially in B2B or tech marketing, feel like, oh, you know what, I don't know if I should be speaking to the customer. I think it's extremely important for you to engage and understand what they care about. And if you don't have that opportunity, then alternatively, try to listen in to your sales calls, you know, if and where possible. Now, again, there are countries that I've worked where privacy policies don't allow you to listen into calls, and that's fine. But where you can, like, I know in India, you can listen into the sales calls and really understand, you know, what is it that they care about and have a super tight handshake with your sellers on the ground. You're going to be absolutely alarmed at how insightful these conversations with customers and your sellers can help you build a solid marketing strategy. Because at the end of the day, you know, irrespective of the geography, as a marketer, your role is really to add value to your customer. You need to build relationship and provide value to them. That's it right? Bottom line. And of course, this is in addition to you have to understand your product fit, your local market competitive landscape, you know, your pricing strategy and all of those things, right, that one needs to do. But I think the most important piece that has helped in these go-to-market strategies across different geographies is putting your customer need at the top of your chart before you get to anything else. That would be my sort of recommendation or learning through these different processes. Got it. Yeah, this is an interesting segue into the rebranding exercise that you guys just went through at NI, right? You went from National Instruments to NI. And I think now what you stand for is Engineer Ambitiously. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So can you talk to us a bit about, you know, just unpack for us what this process looked like? You know, maybe if you could start with why did this even start? Why did you guys look at rebranding and how did it even begin? Yeah, absolutely. Let me start with how this began. So we hired our first ever CMO at NI in February last year, Carla Pinheiro Sublet. And she was brought on board to help us modernize our brand. The issue really, or the reason why we went to do this was nobody really knew or understood what NI did. You know, we're a 40 plus year old company and we had limited awareness. So there was a desire that we want to set ourselves apart and we want to really set ourselves up for the next era of the company where we're having new focus internally on our customers. And this also aligned very well with our new CEO who onboarded last year. And the reality is that, you know, NI had disrupted this test and measurement industry almost 40 years ago when we brought software into the field of test and measurement. And the industry has seen very little change since then. So we felt, you know, it's the right time right now. Yeah, so that's basically how it began. On the process of rebranding itself and a little bit of a deep dive, 
I think it was a pretty long drawn process. We conducted brand research to better understand perceptions of NI in today's competitive landscape. And you know how from there we can evolve the company brand and the identity that we stand for. It included, you know, your typical qualitative and quantitative research. For example, you know, we had focus groups with new and existing customers across 12 countries. We conducted intake sessions, you know, with industry analysts, both on the investor side and on the industry side. We spoke to our founders. We spoke to stakeholders within our business at all levels, you know, not just executives. We spoke to new NI employees, long-tenured NI employees. I mean, the reason that we did that initial slice of understanding where we stand is to get a super well broad cross section of all our stakeholders to really understand where we are and be informed by this brand research and then the next procedures and steps follow so what led to engineer ambitiously i mean what specific findings um, or what did you learn that led you to sort of take this new position and say hey we want to stand for this that's an interesting one. So before I get into the engineer ambitiously, let me just share with you, you know, yeah. how we actually got there. So as a part of the whole rebranding process, you know, we realized that this is not just a marketing exercise. And so we built a cross-functional working team that was that included, of course, our brand team, but leaders from sales, R&D, human resource, you know, all the way to our CEO. Because like I said, this was a company-wide effort and we wanted to include voices from across the organization and not a change of logo and color, right? It was an absolute absolute wider initiative than that. So there were agencies involved to help us create our strategy and the creative for the brand itself. And as we were going through this intensive process with our agencies, we realized that this wasn't just about modernizing a brand. It was about modernizing NI, you know, and how we operate. And as we got further along in that process of our strategy building for the rebranding with our teams, we realized that this entire category of test and measurement needed modernization. And actually, that's how Engineer Ambitiously came into the picture. So it came out of this creative process, working with our agency partners. And at its core, what the statement really means is ambitiously solve problems, right? Or ambitious problem solving and celebrating the amazing work that engineers do. And really, we wanted this term to resonate and be able to adapt irrespective of whether you're an engineer or not. And you can engineer ambitiously as a business leader, right? For example, it also needed to be something that resonated globally. And what's really cool is engineer ambitiously really resonates very well, whether you're in China, India, US or Germany, you know. So that's how it came as, as a thorough cross-functional research and intensive process on what we really stand for and where we want to go from here. Yeah, and that's it. Such a fitting message for the very challenging times that all of us are, you know, living through, right? Mm-hmm. Particularly for the kind of solutions we're all trying to find. Anyway, so you mentioned multiple agencies. Can you give us a sense of what are the different kinds of agencies that ended up engaging with you through this exercise? So we worked with research agencies, brand and creative agencies. Gretel is one of the companies that we engaged with that did the heavy lifting around most of our brand work. We also engaged with agencies to help with our website and the process online. So it was quite a collective process with multiple experts in their fields, really trying to understand and get into the roots of what NI really stands for and what's this new you know, era for us, which is still very much you know, the roots are still there. It's not something completely different, but it's sort of revolutionizing and modernizing what we offer to the customers. So yeah, there were a lot of agencies and and cross-functional teams that we worked across. 
Got it. Okay. And, you know, for something like this to work at scale, what are your learnings? What does it usually take to make such a long drawn out complex exercise happen successfully? I think we learned a lot of things, right? As you can imagine with any big program of the scale, I think one was really the importance of research and an outside-in approach. It's very critical. We can just get lost into just thinking of everything from an inside-out perspective, right? Because we're so engrossed in how things work internally. But you must understand the landscape of the market. You must understand what your customers' needs are. And that should inform these efforts and this work, right? So that was one of the biggest learning is, hey, research, very critical. Talk to your customers, talk to your stakeholders, and have an outside-in approach. The second thing was, when you do something at this scale, you have to be all in with your employees and you need to involve them from the start because they're your greatest ambassadors. And in our case, we also use this to evolve our company values, right? So it was super powerful to have our employees involved from the very beginning and be able to articulate our brand and values externally because they're really your brand ambassadors outside, right? And I think the third thing, to your point, we learned is you have to be nimble and adaptable. I mean, no one on our team or in the world actually predicted the pandemic, right? Because our work started, like I said, early yeah, last yeah. year and then the pandemic happened. So we had to change a lot of the ways that we were planning to launch this, right? For one, we were planning to do this physically in our headquarters in Austin, which obviously changed and everything that was planned had to change, but we needed to be adaptable and nimble because we decided that we want to move forward because we thought the time right now is the right time, as I mentioned earlier, right? So I think those would be the three learnings that I'd like to call out. One is, you know, research, look outside in. Don't be very focused internally. Two, take your employees along with you on this journey. Very critical. And three, be nimble and adaptable because no matter how well you've planned it, things can go wrong and you need to be yeah. able to pick up. Excellent, Aditi. Thank you so much. How does one really go about measuring success for a rebranding effort like the one that you recently underwent? It's very interesting that you did all of this under this huge COVID movement that is happening. But how do you really measure success for something like this? Well, as you can imagine, right, we have a lot of measures in place to see how our rebranding efforts are performing. And without getting into specifics, awareness at the top of the funnel is one of the main drivers of measurement with our share of voice that we are achieving in the market being a critical KPI. Another example of what we're measuring is we have also, as a part of this rebranding effort, rolled out a campaign called The Next 100 to celebrate 100 stories of what it means to engineer ambitiously. And we will be telling these stories over a period of 100 weeks, one story per week on our website, ni.com. So traffic and engagement also becomes a key KPI, right, as you're launching these different efforts. And all of the measures that we've sort of set out for our rebranding efforts have been overwhelmingly positive so far. But the most amazing thing is the reactions that we're getting from our customers and community. I'd say that's the most rewarding part of, you know, the result of this rebranding effort. Awesome. Aditi would love to get some insight on what are some of the key parts of the global marketing team at NI? You know, how are the individual teams split up? What do they do? What skill sets, capabilities they have? How are they measured? Would love to understand the broad structure and the intricacies of how this machine operates. 
Yeah, I can give you sort of a deep dive into, you know, how my team actually operates in this global world. And it can give you some idea of how the whole uh, structure falls in place, right? And we can take it from there. So my team, for example, has a global remit with a very strong regional focus. So there is a focus on building the go-to-market strategy alongside our business owners. The team also owns the messaging and translating this business strategy into actionable campaign plans that drive demand and include all sorts of tactics, whether it's content or digital or plays or even virtual experiences. So that's one part of it that's very global, but has to have, you know, a focus in on understanding and translating the strategy and converting it to demand. Then we have field marketers that are spread all over the globe and based out of these specific geographies. And they're responsible to make these campaign plans then a reality in their geographies, working closely with sales. Then there is a third element to my team, which is a channel marketing team that's global and supports our partners and distributor needs. So that's how part of the whole org view that I wanted to give you is that's how my team, for example, has a global approach with a very strong regional alignment. So we have strong partnerships then with other global marketing teams that lead our brand or demand strategy, e-commerce strategy, and then product marketing strategies as well. Very interesting insights on NI's rebranding, Sajadati. Thank you for sharing. Shifting gears a little bit, what are some of the B2B brands today that you think are pushing the creative limits? So one thing that Carla, our CMO that I mentioned to you, who joined us earlier last year, when she joined us, she actually challenged us to stop thinking as a B2B marketing team. And she was like, stop limiting ourselves, you know, to just standard B2B marketing play that every company is running today. And it really comes from the fundamental belief that at the end of the day, we really market to people. So there is no B2B, B2C. So with that background, I mean, you know, I want to share brands irrespective of whether they're in B2B or B2C that have really inspired me personally, you know, and I feel like are really pushing that creative limit. And I think one brand that comes top of mind to me, especially through, you know, a lot of their campaigns is IKEA. I think they are very consistently creative in how they, you know, go to market. Their messages resonate very well with the regional nuances, which we spoke about earlier. So I definitely put them up there on a brand that I think is pushing their limits. A few others that are, that are at par, I would say is Nike, um, Netflix, I think that's the phenomenal job. And even Gong and Canva. I love the way that they've been marketing. If you were putting together a B2B marketing team today, what skills would you absolutely prioritize? What traits would be non-negotiable in leaders you hire? It's an interesting question, Adil, because I think you might need different skills depending on what you're trying to solve for the business. But the most foundational elements, irrespective of the actual role, I think for me, when I'm hiring any business or marketing leader, irrespective of the role, would be, one, I think they need to have an understanding of connecting the vision or strategy down to execution. Two, they have to be decisive and be able to move forward with conviction, right? They have to form their own point of view and, and start helping move forward. And three, they have to be creative and problem solving, but extremely data-driven as well. And the last thing I think very critical, especially in today's time and age, is being adaptive and being able to respond to the changing macroeconomic trends and customer behaviors. It may seem like, you know, asking for a lot, but really these are just the foundational traits if you want to lead in this dynamic environment today. And they're not disconnected. They're sort of connected traits that are absolutely a must, if I may say so. Got it. Aditi, what's the one superpower you believe you have that makes you a great marketer? Hmm. 
I would like to believe, I don't know if I have it, but I would like to believe my superpower is being an expert connector, connecting the data, people, processes, and then solving for impact. And this superpower, if I may call it that, really helps me be a problem solver. And what's the one superpower you wish you had, Aditi? Let's see. (laughs) Perhaps the superpower to manipulate weather. If I could bring in the sun a little more, I'm sure everyone here in the UK would be as delighted as me. (laughs) Hey, that was Aditi Chauhan, Global Marketing Director at NI. Thank you for joining us. And if you've liked what you've heard, don't forget to subscribe to us. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all major podcast networks. Until our next episode, this is me, Adil Bandukwala. And Kaushik Satish, signing off for the Great Indian Marketing Show.